It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, welcome to the show. Happy Independence Day. A holiday on a Saturday. I kind of like it. But I'm here live in the WSB studios in Midtown Atlanta at 6.08. And I'm hoping to hear from you if you're just getting your day started and you have some things you've been wondering about, things you want to do in the landscape and the garden this weekend, give us a call and we will talk about it. 404-872-0750. I bet the show is going to fly by today. And I hope your plans don't get rained out if you've got just small gatherings planned, maybe a cookout with the family. We started last night. Got something going this afternoon, so it's going to be a fun, busy weekend, and I hope it is for you too. A lot to be thinking about outside right now for sure. I mean, I think yesterday was one of the hottest days of the year so far. I think it got up to like 94 degrees in northwest Georgia where I was. So it got me thinking about watering, proper watering, whether it's for your garden, whether it's for your lawn. And there's so many important things you've got to think about. A rule of thumb, you know, is an inch of water per week. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a good guide to start off with if you're just beginning. But you've got to take into so many into consideration so many environmental factors. The humidity plays a part. Of course, the rain plays a part. Wind as well. A a hot, windy day is going to take a lot more moisture out of the plants than just a hot, dry day for sure. So, And really, when you think about watering plants and maybe shrubs that you're trying to get established, new shrubs, new plants like that, always best to water at the base. Their feet want to be wet, but overhead they don't really want to be because when you have the leaves wet, and everything is just almost scorching on a hot day, and you've got that moisture sitting on the leaves, that really opens things up to disease, fungus, things like that. So watering at the base of the plant, not overhead watering. There's very few things that I can think of that appreciate overhead watering unless you're doing it in the very early morning hours or maybe late in the evening. I watered everything pretty late last night, right before dusk, like 7.45, 8 o'clock. So I kind of mix it up when I water... um, in the morning versus in the evening. It just depends. But watering your lawn too. Watering your lawn, it's so important to do it for longer periods of time, more water in fewer intervals than just maybe watering a little bit three times a week. That's going to cause more harm than good. Those light, frequent waterings actually cause the turf to develop a shallow root system. And that's not really going to be as good for the grass. But deep infrequent watering like that one inch per week or something like that that stimulates roots to grow deeper in search of better healthier soil so timing is very important too you have to consider watering restrictions watering bans in your area of course but between 10 p.m and 9 a.m so yeah you're gonna be a little funny being out there watering your lawn at 11 o'clock at night but that's why you have sprinklers that's why you have timers and all that kind of thing. So just things to think about as you're trying to maintain your garden this weekend with everything being so hot. And your pets, too. We took Shadow on a walk last night, and I thought it had cooled off enough. It was about 88 degrees still at, like, 730. And she got in. She's 120 pounds, so naturally she got really, really hot. Um, But walking your dogs on the pavement, if it's too hot for you to touch that asphalt, it's definitely too hot for their paws 
So walk them in the grass, walk them on maybe a concrete sidewalk where it's not as warm from the sun. Do not take your pets out in the heat of the day. If you have to, make sure they have a lot of water. I mean, constantly be checking them for water. Have a breeze, a fan, something blowing on them as well. And I actually saw an interesting video about heat stroke in dogs. And there are Different breeds that are more prone to heat stroke, obviously bigger dogs, older dogs as well, the dogs that have the short snouts. Go ahead, Jason. And another thing to watch out for, especially with larger dogs like Shadow and my dog Frank, Mm -hmm. is if they're panting a lot, like they've just come inside from running, don't allow them water for a couple minutes. Let them cool off in the house for a few minutes because that can cause bloat in a dog. Oh, that's good to know. That's really good to know. Yeah, you should always let him cool off. Like when uh, Frank comes in from running around outside, I put his food uh, food and water up to where he can't just chug a bunch of water. Just for what, three, four, five minutes? Yeah, just enough for him to cool off a little bit and stop that excessive yeah. panting. Oh, gosh, it gets so worrisome seeing a dog struggle like that. But also the sign to look for in heat stroke is their gums or their tongue almost turn red, not just that light pink color, but a dark, dark pink or red. So keep your furry friends in mind. And, of course, with the fireworks that are going to be going on tonight as well, keep them inside, keep them safe, turn on the TV, something to distract them if they get a little nervous. 404-872-0750. Enough about my rant about your pets and your plants. I just want you to take care of everything. And Nicole, you take care of a lot of things, and I think you do it very well. Good morning. Mr. Reeves. <laughs> what about him? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he will be uh, yeah. here in about 20 minutes. <laughs> I know. I'm so used to uh, tell him. <laughs> Ashley. Yes. Last night was not a good night for the pets because so much noise. And yeah. even me, I was in the bed and I was get up the bed. Yeah, oh. I think a lot of people did fireworks last night, kind of thinking it might rain this evening, you know, and everybody was obviously off today, so it was no problem doing it last night. But yeah, I mean, consider our veterans, consider the pets. You just want to be considerate of people around you that they may not enjoy the noise. They may not enjoy the fireworks like you do. So yeah, it's it's definitely, uh, you need to be considerate. Do your cats get spooked by it or they don't care? Cats don't oh, care about a whole they're lot. Just, they're just, I, but still they're... Uh... Their ears are more sensible than us, big time. I mean, I don't know how many times, but the first year I was here, I went to, I had a little dog, okay? I went up to Stone Mountain, and I didn't know any better because uh, granite's going to, the paws are not thick enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, on my way down there, I had to carry him all the way down there because it was so, the paws was almost raw. So, right, and uh, it's so hot. Oh, no, I couldn't. Uh, now I'm thinking about it, and I said, God almighty. That's why they came up with boots, you know, for animals. They did. And, you know, I mean, you want to take them to the beach, too. You want to incorporate them in your everyday life and the things you do. But a beach vacation, you've just really got to consider your dog and its size and really how hot it's going to be because some of them don't like the water so we can just jump in the water to cool off but a dog may be hesitant too so that's going to be a miserable day for your furry friend yeah yeah uh this time of the year we see a lot of uh crepe model oh yeah they're looking beautiful aren't they beautiful mm-hmm. crepe model and some of them when they um the big tall one, you know, they have those names, those Cherokee names or Indian names. Right. But anyway, the smallest one, if uh, 
if you go around them, they have a smell. And then you bring them inside, your whole house smell like crepe model. Oh, but money, not many, inside. yeah, not, I couldn't tell you the name or anything, but not many of them. When, when I was here, you know, I like to save, a, I don't, uh, I like to save a lot of uh, money on plants. So I go to uh, those big box store and they have those little crepe models because uh, the, uh, there was a little thing and they, they stick three of them, but they couldn't tell you which color it was or what kind it was. Uh-huh. So I bought them for 50 cents or 25 cents. Wow. Yeah, now I see them, I plant them outside, and then I see them. One is uh, light pink, the other one is purple, and they came not at the same time. Oh, did they stagger? Yes, I could not Mm. believe now I see them and you get the the big one, you know. But if you like a nice driveway and clean, oh, God, don't put them outside the driveway. Yeah, they do make a mess. They do make a mess. I'm seeing a lot more of that pale purple this year, but one of the most beautiful crepe myrtles I've ever seen was outside of a bank. I mean, I won't forget it, 15 years ago. And it was like a crimson red, a deep, deep red, and that's still to this day is probably my favorite color, and I think it's a little harder to find. But, yeah, the purple, the white, that kind of fuchsia, hot pink color. Gosh, they're gorgeous, though. Yes, yes. Uh, the, uh, oh, got them again. I lost my line of thought. Mr. Reed was talking <laughs> about that. I said, Mr. Reed, do you forget your name? He said, all the time. Oh, yeah, and we multitask, too, so, you know, you get distracted. Well, tell me, when you planted those crepe myrtles, I got about another minute here, Nicole, what was the ideal condition and how you planted those? Um, you see, crepe myrtle, their roots are really high from the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're going to spread out. They don't have no uh, uh, roots, all the way, uh, t- uh, main roots that go underneath, you know. Right. So that's why they like to have uh, water, but... Uh, uh, not much concrete around them because the roots gonna spread out, and then eventually you're gonna have a little crepe model because they shed a lot of uh, seed. So yes. you're gonna have eventually a lot of crepe model all around you think. But then you can dig them up, put them in a the pot, or give them to the, your friends and uh, yeah, propagate the suckers, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. but then again, some of us don't want the suckers, and you just have to constantly keep mowing them down. And yeah, but that's that's a good use for them. Let them get. Maybe, I don't know, a foot tall, maybe two feet tall, and then dig it out? Yes. Yeah. And uh, they um, try to water them because they don't have no tap roots. You know, right. they're going to spread out. And uh, But um, the idea would be if your lawn is have an uh, incline, uh-huh. so the water always get around the crepe model. Oh, good. So that's the idea. But oh, if you put them it, when it's too dry, they have a hard time. Then they give they develop some kind of disease and oh oh yeah yeah and ambrosia beetle and all kinds of things they can be susceptible to well nicole with your green thumb thank you so much for calling and weighing in this morning and happy independence day enjoy yourself all right you too take care i'll I'll talk to you soon all right we've got jd in college park wanting to ask about monkey grass i love that and stewart and jackson experienced blossom end rot and the tomatoes what can he do 404-872-0750 we'll be right back on green and growing on wsb
So I was on B98.5 yesterday doing uh, Beat Shazam, I think, trying to do like a name that tune, right? And I was very cocky going into it. I played against Drex and knew I was going to win. Because, I mean, name that tune, like the game show, they gave you like three beats or five beats to do it. I thought I could do that. Tad gave me like the first five seconds of the song. I mean, that was a lot. So Born in the USA, totally got that right. Got the artist wrong. I said John Cougar Mellencamp. Oh, I can see no. that. Though. I know, but it was Bruce Springsteen. Ugh, uh. So, anyways, that song now has um, not so good memories for me. But no, Happy Independence Day, patriotic mu- music. Jason's got it for you throughout the whole show, and I bet during Dave Baker's Home Fix It show too. Stay tuned from nine to noon today. All right, a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing and from Channel Two Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz today. Yeah, we're going to see a mix of sun and clouds, an afternoon or early evening thunderstorm possible. Maybe if it comes through, it'll be finished by eight nine o'clock. You can get the fireworks in or just your celebrations. But a high of around ninety, lows only reaching seventy. And tomorrow, a little bit less chance of a rain for sure. Just an isolated thunderstorm may crop up again. High of around ninety and low of around seventy. Four zero four eight seven two. 0750 talking to Stuart in Jackson, Georgia. Good morning, Stuart. Welcome to the show. How you doing, Ashley? I am doing real well. How about yourself? I'm on cloud nine. Oh, I love it. That's a good place to be. <laughs> uh, number one, you told me about the dog. I asked you about the dogwood. Uh huh. So I did what you told me to do, and it is living. And it's put on a leaf or two I'm so glad. Good, good, good. So number two, I went out in the garden. I got, I planted whoppers. Oh. And they're about four and a half feet tall. Got tomatoes. Uh A limb fell on my garden and messed it up. But anyway, I pulled one tomato off the day before yesterday, blossom rot. Yes, blossom end rot. I hate seeing that because it's almost like, what did I do wrong? A lot of times you didn't do anything wrong. But for those of you who haven't seen it, you know, the tomato grows above where the flower was. So that flower gets pushed to the bottom of the fruit. That's the blossom end. That's the rot, kind of a disfiguration on tomatoes, peppers. It's usually blamed for a shortage of calcium, Stuart. So in the past, we've told you to use calcium sprays and things like that. But come to find out, it's not really so much calcium. Yes, that's important in the growing process and being transported through the plant. But more, it's just watering, a watering issue. So now that you've got it, it's really harder to stop. So good soil, compost, regular watering, all of that stuff will keep blossom end rot at bay. Um, you know, not applying fertilizer at the wrong time. So just inconsistent water. And you maybe had no control over that. You had nothing to do with that because it'll rain and downpour for four days and then it's really, really dry and then rain for two days. So right now at this point, Stuart, one of the things that I could think you could try is like a product maybe by Bonide. They make a, a rot stop and rot stop is like a liquid plant food. It does help correct calcium deficiencies, but again, we may already be past that point because the blossom end rot's already there. But getting to, since the tomatoes on the plant are growing at different times and, you know, they'll be ready to harvest at different times, you can go ahead and use that as a preventative on some of the others. So just follow the label directions to use something like a bonide uh, rot stop. I want to say root stop, but it's definitely rot stop. Um, And be more aware of keeping that water consistent. So... 
after a good heavy rain, go stick your finger in the soil, see how wet the soil is, how saturated it is, kind of guide yourself that way when to water next. You maybe could wait a day or two, but just consistent watering at the base of the plant and mulch too around those tomatoes. If you haven't done it already, that's going to prevent splash back and kind of regulate the water there. Stuart, I'm glad you called again. Good to hear from you. We're going to take a break and check news, weather and traffic. Talk to Michael and Cordell and JD in College Park. Y'all hang on. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. I love being here with you on the weekends. You're walking into your weekend, and it's a holiday weekend, so you got to be careful today, but enjoy yourself. Have a blast. I hope you get to spend a little bit of time with small groups, small crowds, loved ones, and your family. 404-872-0750. JD in College Park. Good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Miss Fresca. How are you? I am so good. Hadn't heard from you in a while. You been all right? I, I know. It's been a while. I tell you. <laughs> You're a busy I like man. Hel- I know. I know. <laughs> I like to say hello to Walter, too. I know he's listening. He is. He is on hold right now as we speak. So, hey, Walter. JD says hello. <laughs> so, what can I do for you about monkey grass? I love it. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to know is it okay to plant it now? And if so, how far uh, do you? Do I space it apart? I don't want it to be too dense where I cannot see the snakes and stuff like that. Ooh, that's a good call. Now, do you already have it, J.D., or are you going to get it? I'm going to get it. I haven't gotten it yet. Okay, so be wary of... I've already tilled tilled this all and and, and, and mixed in uh, the... uh, the, what do you call it? The uh, Did you use some kind of soil amendment? Soil. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh-huh, right. um, mm-hmm. yeah. That's good. Now, don't plant it at the hottest part of the day. That's going to stress it out. So if you can get it done, like, you know, within the next three or four hours or just wait till evening, maybe after seven. Um, but right. be leery of looking out for the two kinds because there's one that's known more to just clump, which is probably what you want. But then there's more one more that is a spreading monkey grass. And that's the one that everybody gripes about that starts, you know, just cropping up inches away from where they intended it and it gets into the beds and things. The difference is they're both Liriope yeah. or Liropi, however people want to pronounce it, Liriope. They're both Liriope, but different varieties, the clumping versus the spreading. So tell them apart by the width of the leaf. The creeping one, which you probably don't want, has a little bit mm-hmm. thinner blade. So if you can have them side by side, the clumping one, which you probably want to do as a border or something, that's like a fourth of an inch. So that's a little bit wider. So you think if you put two of your fingers together side by side, that's about an inch. So a fourth of an inch is going to be a little less than you know one finger's width. Um, so that's probably the one you want is the clumping one. And if that's what? the case, you're probably going to be able to space them, I would say, five, six inches apart. You didn't apart. Say this though, Ashley. Mm-hmm. What it is is that uh, it's, I'm not going to use it as a border. Uh, actually, it's a, a space about 10 by 20 uh, underneath of a, a heavy, a lot, a lot of trees, uh, oak trees. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's how I want it. I just want to use it to cover that area. That's well, then you don't, it. yeah, then you don't mind the spreading one. Then that's great. So the spreading one is going to have the little bit thinner blade. Okay. And the spreading okay. ones as well, they have um, the flowers, which I know you're not going to be able to tell now, but the ones that spread or creep, they've got those tall, mm-hmm. stalky 
white or purple flowers. And, you know, if you've ever really looked into Liriope or monkey grass, you see those, Mm -hmm. um, like the berries. They're like this deep, deep blue, like midnight blue berries, and they're kind of buried down in there. And I loved finding those as a kid. It was like finding Easter eggs in there. But, yeah, so get the get the spreading kind, and you're good to go. I Yeah, I would still do them if, if you're going to do the spreading kind, maybe – more like six, seven inches apart, but they'll fill in. Okay. And you can always maintain it with the mower, you know, being able to set that blade the highest that it'll go and just shear right. it down once or twice a year. And that'll probably keep the snakes away, I would think. Oh, great. Good advice. I'm glad I called. I am too. It was so great to hear from you, JD. You be safe this weekend, all right? Thank you, and you too. Thanks okay, so bye-bye. much. All right. It is time to talk to Walter Reeves. Walter's wondering. Walter's wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Back for another Saturday edition of Walter Wonders. Walter, good morning. Good morning, Ashley. So we're still doing this on the phone. I hate not seeing your face on a Saturday, but this is good. Be safe, be safe. That's right, that's right. Well, here we are, July. We promised one another, well, we had so much fun talking about tomatoes. Let's talk about other vegetables. So I love this, Walter. I want to know more about when to harvest the vegetables that we've taken so much time with. Because if you don't harvest them, you you miss two things. Number one, you miss eating it at the proper time when it's the most tender, okra, squash, zucchini, or whatever. But if you don't harvest it at the right time, you also influence whether it will make more of that okra or squash or zucchini. So harvesting at the right time is important for a lot of vegetables. sure is. Yeah, I mean, you've got to go out in that garden every single day because if you miss harvesting something by a day or two, a bird or a pest or something may get to it before you do. That's a good point. Yeah. And and okra is the one that I think of most as being one that I tend to delay because I think, oh, it's going to grow another inch tomorrow and an inch (laughs) after that. I'll wait a couple of days. And when you do finally cut it, it's tough. It's like chewing on a twig. You don't want to do that. So okra, I say if it's two or three inches long, that's good. Do not let it go much more than three inches long because beyond that, they start many of the varieties start making fibers in the in the uh, okra pod, and it just doesn't taste right. Three okay. or four inches long, three inches long is great, and still a little okra. tender to the touch, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, what else are we on the lookout for? Tomatoes, you just kind of yeah, you get those easy. for weeks. Yeah, they're red, and yeah. tomatoes ripen anyway when you put them if you. If you harvest them even a little bit red, they'll go ahead and finish uh, ripening in your kitchen window. And so that's one of those things you can harvest early. A tomato you can and put it in the window, keep it warm, and it'll ripen, turn red, and be just as fine as it was on the vine. Now, not to derail you, but something uh-huh. I learned about fruits, I know we're going to maybe stick with vegetables here, but fruits, some you you want to let those fully ripen on the tree because it has something to do with the pectin and the sugar and how they're going to be more flavorful and more sweet when left on the tree rather than plucked too early. You are correct. You are correct. I learned stuff and it sticks. It stays up here. (laughs) All right. So yeah, maybe we'll get to fruits, but you had okra, you had tomato. What about my two favorites? Well, three, squash, zucchini, and cucumbers. All three of them. If you delay harvesting, they will absolutely stop the plant from blooming. Oh. And so for, let's say, squash, the uh, yellow squash that we usually think of, as, or at least I do think of being squash, and I think they're just a thumbnail. Take your thumbnail and press it on the skin, and if you can penetrate it with your thumbnail, then it's ready to go. And it can be harvested any time from three inches long to 
I don't know, six or seven inches long, but just keep your fingernail ready out there and press <laughs> your fingernail into the skin of the squash. And when it can be penetrated, fine. Uh, harvest it then. Same thing with zucchini. Use your fingernail to press in there. And it's fine. If it's too thick and hard and you can't penetrate it with a fingernail, cut it off. Don't leave it on. But cut it off sort of way. Okay. And then what was the one we didn't? Oh, cucumbers. Same thing? Cucumbers, almost the same. Yeah, same thing. Try to make sure it's tender, I guess is the way to uh, describe it. The skin will be pretty green. And, and if you cut one over the seeds, it'll still be real soft inside of it. One of the neat things about cucumbers that I learned years and years ago is occasionally you'll get a cucumber from the store or from your garden, and when you cut it and eat it, it tastes bitter, mm-hmm. nasty, yuck, yeah. it's awful. And it is a chemical called curcubatacin. Ooh, I love saying that word, curcubatacin, that is formed when you have a lot of stress on a cucumber, when it gets, again, too dry, too wet, too much sunshine, too hot, just various stressors in the environment. And the plant will make curcubatacin, which is a bitter chemical, at the stem end of the cucumber. So let's say you go out to your garden, you get one of these stressed cucumbers. They look pretty normal. You go inside, you peel it, and that's when you taste it. It tastes so bitter. The way that you can avoid that is always peel tomato, uh, cucumbers from the blossom end, from the far end away from the stem up towards the stem, rather than from the stem down towards the blossom. By doing so, you will not spread the bitter chemical from stem down the length of the cucumber, and it'll taste fine. Wow. So just with the way you peel it, you can change just the flavor. Just the way you peel it. You sure can. I'll be darned. Now, I saw something in my mother-in-law's garden a couple of summers ago. I've just always been familiar with the traditional cucumbers, but she had, I, I don't remember the name, something English maybe, but they're longer Ooh, long. and skinnier. Yeah. They're the same kind of way to... to tell whether they're ready, I guess, to, to uh, harvest or not. The skin on them is, seems to me, tender for a long time. Not just a few days, but a couple of weeks, it'll be tender enough to harvest off the vine. And like I say, they're long, maybe two, three feet long. And they're similar in a way to the Asian cucumbers, too. Same thing. They get mm-hmm. long, 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 stay tender for a long time. And as long as the skin is penetrable by your, by your fingernail, you're fine. So what are some of oh, your cool. favorites? Those were mine. I had squash, zucchini, and um, cucumbers. So what about you? Corn. Sweet ah. corn. If you take a sweet corn cob, a sweet corn uh, uh, ear off a corn plant and open it up, take the shucks off of it, and bite into it, and it's really sweet, and you could eat it right there in the garden, that's ripe corn. That's perfect corn. If it is real starchy and uh, doughy feeling in your mouth, that's too not, not good. And then the same thing again, that thumbnail, fingernail, if you press into the corn kernel on the on the uh, cob, if you can penetrate and cut into it real easily with your nail, it's good. It's ready to be cooked. It's going to be tasty. But if it, again, does not penetrate with your nail, then it's not going to be very good to, to eat. But now, are you doing that while it's corn. still on the plant, though? Because you'd have to can. just push back the husk a little bit to get to it, That's, right? Exactly. You push back the husk, pull it back a little bit, and put your fingernail in there and you can mash it with your finger and even take your mouth over there close to it and eat it right off the cob right there on the on the corn stalk. So some of the most important crops back in the days of Native Americans and early settlement and all that kind of thing and I love the name Three Sisters when all of these mm-hmm. seeds are planted together and then they all kind of grow at the same 
at the same yeah. speed, but we've talked about beans, squash and beans, corn. corn and squash. Yeah. So tell me about beans. The whole or the what do you call it, the fruit of the of the bean should be filled out, but not what would you say? Not dry, not uh, not yellowish, not anything that uh, makes it look unripe. Beyond ripe, I guess is the right way to say it. Uh, they'll be real tough when you skin a, take a bean out of the pod and you put it in your mouth and taste it, which is sometimes the best way to find out if something is ready to harvest is to put it in your mouth and taste it a little yeah. bit. But if it is uh, real tough in your mouth when you take it out of the pod, then throw it away, feed it to the feed it to the cows, the birds, whatever. But it's a nice bright green pods full. The, the seeds have, have developed nicely inside the pod. I guess that's the way I describe describe beans and both the uh, pole beans and the lion beans both being just filled out look good in the pod. Now are pole pole beans, we know those as green beans, right, in the store? Yeah, yeah, you think about one the pole beans are made into a vine shape or they grow in a vine shape and the snap beans and others grow more like a shrub, like a bush. Oh, okay. But they both taste the same, look the same. All right. Tell me about one more, one more that you really like that would be a good oh, let's way to see harvest. What else is fun to play with? My, all the spring things, the cabbage and cantaloupes and stuff like that have already been out there. Not enough people grow eggplant, and it's easy to grow. Really? And it's delicious, and it's easy to tell when it's ripe, and it's really fun to grow because nobody knows what it looks like. <laughs> it's really fun. Uh, eggplant, the skin, most of them are just sort of a purple-black. It should be nice and shiny. That's the thing. Shiny, shiny, shiny. If it is real hard or if you press your thumb into it, it just makes a dent, like squishy inside. That's a bad eggplant. You don't oh, want no. a bad eggplant. But if the skin is really shiny and it can be harvested anytime from the time it's of the size of a lemon all the way up to the size of your fist and a little bit larger than that, probably. All right, so I think in two and a half hours when I leave, if there's an Italian restaurant open, I'm headed yeah. out for eggplant parmesan. Oh, eggplant parmesan. This What's would be a great thing? time of year, wouldn't it? Easy to grow, too. Easy to grow. Great. Well, Walter, thank you very much. And actually, will you do you mind telling folks, you pointed out to me a great publication online where they can see maybe more of the vegetables they're trying to grow and some more information? Tell you what to do. If you go to my website, WalterReeves.com, and type harvest vegetables in the search line, that'll take you to my link to the University of Georgia and their big comprehensive publication on how to know when it's time to harvest things in the garden. Such a good chart. I love that. But your tips and tricks of doing things differently with the thumbnail, and also I'll never forget your watermelon trick of thumping the watermelon <laughs> to find out know. when it's ready, too. They, it's too. The University of Georgia does not mention those those ways, but those are clever. Thank you so yeah. much, Walter. Great talking to you, Ashley. Let's talk you to soon. you soon. Happy Independence Day. Ray Charles, that gives me chills. I love that. That's beautiful. Hope you're celebrating this weekend very safely, having a good time, and remembering the reason for it. The independence of the United States of America couldn't be more proud of our country. 404-872-0750. We've got some great calls. And then coming up at the top of the hour, Celebrity Gardener. 
You're going to hear from a few of the celebrity gardeners that I've had in the past and put your thinking cap on because each one of them, I test them with a garden quiz and I want you to be able to play along just after 7 o'clock. So Michael in Cordell, Georgia, has been waiting patiently. Good morning, Michael. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Miss Fresca. How are you? Did I say Cordell right? Yes, ma'am. You yes. said Cordell. That's right. All right. Well, very good to hear from you there in South Georgia, middle South Georgia. How are you? I'm well. Hey, look, I'm new to the Cordell area, and okay. I bought a 50-year-old home that's got three gigantic crepe myrtles that seem to be unattended. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're about 30-foot uh, cubed, if you will. they got a 30-foot fall line. They're about 30-foot tall. They're made up anywhere between six and 12 main branches. Wow. How, how and when do I cut these things back to make them a little bit more manageable yeah and once they get so tall and leggy as well like i mean my parents have had some beside the driveway for yeah just about 30 years and they're super tall they seem to bloom less and less the bigger they get i guess just because the energy is being expended so far through the plant but the good news michael typically we tell you with larger trees and shrubs you only reduce it by about a third each time you prune and don't just cut it way, way back. But in the case of crepe myrtles, they are so forgiving. So you want to do it when it's dormant. So you could do it anytime, you know, like I would say late winter, really before spring is when, when you start driving around the subdivisions and all that, you see the crepe murder that we talk about, all the landscapers taking those severely back in late winter. So wait till then, wait till it's dormant or else you're going to You know, if you do it now, you're going to induce all this new growth, which you don't want. But you can take everything back to a main trunk. I mean, you can take everything back. I would be hesitant to take back, you know, or cut down trunks themselves. I know they're they're multi-trunk by now. But you can take back almost everything. Just leave a few of the main leaders, the main, you know, stems and branches. But you're going to be able to get up there safely, of course, with a ladder and take back as much as you need. Well, I'll have to I'll probably have it professionally done, and mm-hmm. I'm sure I, I would wait till it was winter, of course, but I am trying to plan this accordingly. So it doesn't matter where I cut it in this. I, I'm new to this crepe myrtle. It, it doesn't matter, but I would say if you have a landscaper do it, if you say, please don't do crepe murder on them, they're going to know exactly what you're talking about. They are tempted to, some of them, not all of them, some of them are tempted to just, instead of like being a little more selective with the big branches, they just go to the top of a trunk where all the branches are coming out and they just shear off the top of the trunk. So we don't want that. You don't want just flat cuts to where you only have five trunks with flat tops and nothing else. So do leave some of the big main branches and it will be fine and it won't be as ugly as some of the cuts. So thank you, Michael, for the call. I wish we had a little more time, but we're going to take a break. Check news, weather, and traffic. And Faye and Monroe is up next. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.